Hello, and welcome to the Author's Den podcast, where we help authors share their message to the world. Join us as we feature unique conversations and get ready to be inspired. Now, let's get started with the show. I am Lizzie, one of the hosts of the Author's Den. I am so excited to be able to bring to you another incredible author, another incredible book, uh, one of the um, most incredible subjects, which is health. Uh, it's one of my cup of tea. This is what I love to get fed on. Good information. Remember, education it is part of life. Education is something that we always have to strive for. And uh, I am with uh, an incredible author uh, that uh, has written uh, a, a very good book. And uh, today we're going to be talking all about it. Please do not forget to subscribe to the Author's Den. And uh I am so, so excited. So let me give you a little bit of overview. Uh, we're going to be speaking today to Dr. Ira Williams. Uh, Dr. Ira is uh, 1970. He organized his first major surgical uh, mini restaurants in nations and surgeons from five states participated in advanced surgical procedures for the correction of the jaw disformity. And you know what, Dr. Ira, you probably don't know, but I am uh, personally have received one of those uh, surgical procedures here in Canada. So um, incredible, incredible to uh, to find one of the doctors that probably started this method. Uh, I had an underbite, so just to say, just so you know, uh, when I was very uh, young, a teenager, I had surgery, and it's perfect now. Um, or your Sosica's training program rapidly created a series of mini residents for the correction of jaw disability for uh, participated surgeon. He is part of the uh, American College OBGYN and um, uh, lamented their uh, lack of mini uh, residents for the surgeon in 2003. Dr. Williams has enjoyed for um, successful careers. Uh, now retired, uh, USFA major, senior navigator, and private pilot, board uh, certified oral and maxophilia surgery, uh, anesthesiologist, surgical uh, palmate, plaintiff, expert witness, author, obviously. Uh, he lives right now in Greenville, and uh, he is seeking to speak to a uh, live audience in regards to this book. The book we're going to be discussing today is Health Wario, Why and How to Become One um, by Dr. Uh, Ira Williams. Um, yeah, a very interesting topic, everyone. So let's welcome him with a wonderful round of applause. <laughs> hello, 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 Dr. Williams. Um, thank you for being uh, here on Authors Den. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, doing fine. Uh, it's a little rainy here in South Carolina, but otherwise, uh, uh, just doing good. Awesome, awesome. Actually, uh, we're matching. Uh, it is raining here in, in Toronto, Canada as well. So uh, we have the same kind of weather. It is the fall, uh, so it's to be expected. But but let's get into the nitty-gritty, uh, Dr. Williams, because I am very curious. I, this is the first time, to be honest, that I've had the uh, privilege to um, 
talked to a oral sur- surgeon. I've talked to many surgeons throughout my life here as a radio host, uh, but this is the first time. Tell us, take us a little bit back. What what uh, inspired you to become, to have that speciality? What happened? Did you encounter something in your life when you were younger? Uh, maybe a family member had a deformity. What happened? What guided you? What inspired you to become this incredible uh, doctor? Well, uh, I'm a depression baby, and I was in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade during World War II. And so uh, I wore braces through high school, and uh, that got me interested in dentistry, but I was... Uh, when I graduated high school, I joined a reserve unit and I started college, but I didn't have study habits and I wasted my time. Uh, but the Korean War opened a door for me to become an aviation cadet. And in 1954, uh, I got my wings in April. I, I got my commission in April. I got my wings in June, celebrated my 21st birthday, and two weeks later went through San Francisco and Tokyo to South Korea and became an Air Force Navigator Bombardier. And the next year we came back to the States and started flying at 50,000 feet in the precursor of the U-2. And the next year... And the next year, as a 23-year-old first lieutenant, I became a squadron commander and a summary court-martial officer. That's incredible. So really, your career as a, in dentistry wasn't your first choice. You went to the military first, and that's how yeah, you I got interested. I didn't have the maturity to, mm-hmm. to get through pre-dental and dental, but the four years of active duty with the Air Force enabled me to go back to Memphis, Tennessee, where I was born, where they had the University of Tennessee Dental School, and I was able to complete pre-dental and dental school, and then I did an internship in Memphis, and that got me interested in oral surgery. So I was accepted to uh, the VA hospital in Milwaukee in 63, and had three years of oral surgery training where I was trained in general anesthesia. I did 35 autopsies. And when I finished training in 66, I was able to join three oral surgeons in in their well-established practice in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, four blocks from the state capitol. One of the things that, uh, I mean, you have a variety of different uh, aspects of your life, and I'm one of the things that brought my attention, Dr. Williams, is that you admit, you, you, you show and you, you're sharing with us that you didn't have the maturity. And the reason I want to pick on this uh, comment of yours is because we have so many listeners right now all over the world, uh, if they're not listening to us right now, actually, this is recording, everyone, so do not try to call in. Uh, we will hear, wow, he didn't have the maturity. 
um, it is okay for us later on in life to figure it out what we're going to do, who are we going to be, and uh, what, what our life, what our goals, what our methods, or even what our purpose in life is. And, and I know Louis Hay is one of the greatest um, entrepreneur and, and book publisher, started her life at 60, uh, 60 years. So that gives us an idea that, you know, starting later on in life and having that maturity, that assurance that this is what you're supposed to do, this is your calling, your goal, um, it doesn't, it, if it's late in life, that is, uh, that is okay. So what happened? You got into dentistry school. What that is speciality? Why, why constructive uh, surgery? Well, Lizzie, here's what I think young people aren't, don't understand and aren't taught. When I came out of high school, people need to understand when they finish high school, they become young adults, and the first thing they need to do is create a foundation for their future life. And to create a foundation, you need a tool. I chose two tools. One, I went to college, but I hadn't created good study habits, and I, could, I didn't, couldn't effectively use that tool. But four days after my 18th birthday, I joined a newly forming Air Force Reserve unit, and because I took typing in 11th grade, when I checked that box, typing, I was golden to them. And they put me in an office with a bunch of officers. And a year and a half later, because of the Korean War and the need to transition combat aircraft from propeller-driven to jet, they needed a lot of navigators. And I found... I was accepted for cadets, so my other tool, the Air Force, I could use effectively. And the Air Force helped me create the foundation for the rest of my life. And the thing that opened the door to that was I took typing, and they put me in an office where I could find out about going to cadets, and bingo. Love it, love it. And, and for you young people that are listening to us all over the world, uh, one of the things that I love what he said is create a foundation. And I remember being taught this by my father, uh, an, an incredible entrepreneur who taught me everything I know and more that school would not teach. Um, it is definitely to have discipline and to have foundation. And, uh, and you found it out. I don't know if it was came to you naturally, Dr. Williams, or you just knew what to do or you knew what, what tools to use and you use the tools of the study habits uh, that came out later on in life and also typing. It's like now today, not knowing basic computer knowledge, it's not going to get you anywhere. You have to know your Microsofts and your spreadsheets and your PowerPoints. And you, that's a must. Uh, if you know programming, that's even better. So back then, I can assume if, if you didn't know typing or if you did know typing, that opened you doors to the Air Force, which is 
one of the things that I, I want you to be able to get out of this, uh, my listeners, because it is very, very important. So uh, we were talking about those tools, and I, I love your your uh, examples, and I love how you share that with us, uh, Dr. William. But um, I asked you about you're interested in, in reconstruction uh, surgery, because one of the things that I would have loved to ask my surgeon, why did he chose that career? And he did an incredible job, uh, you know, making well, sure that my... Before we leave that, Lucy, I, I want to emphasize mm. the word tool in that you have to have a tool to create a foundation. And then moving forward, we're going to end up talking about my book, Healthcare Warriors. And that book, if you just read it, it's a book. But if you read it with a highlighter and a red pen, that becomes a tool that you can go back to and read. So the word tool, I think, is very important for people to understand if you're going to create something. And and the reason I got into reconstruction surgery is it was just beginning to blossom in the mid-60s when I finished my training. And in my three years, I had nothing about how to surgically correct jaw deformities, but knew I wanted to add that to my scope of practice. And, and so in the 60s and 70s, our ability to surgically correct jaw deformities uh, was growing about like when you see a time-lapse photographs of a flower opening, for the, for the 15 to 20 years between 65 and 85, our ability to surgi- correct, surgically correct jaw deformities blossomed during those 20 years, and that was my first 20 years as an oral surgeon. Wow, that's incredible. So you said we're going to be talking next about your book, and absolutely, that is what we're here. Uh, that's the whole reason of this uh, incredible talk, but uh, not not only to know about your background and your life and, you know, how important uh, tools uh, and foundation are important to everybody's life, but especially who you became later on. Um, wealth Warriors. Uh, love that, love the title, uh, why and how to become one. And obviously, you're not just talking about medicine here. You're not just talking about your life as a, as a, as a doctor and your experiences, but this is, uh, this is more than that. This is giving people tools. And what, what happened? What did you see? Uh, I know you were teaching, you, you have lectures. Did you realize that Young people and even adults don't have the maturity, as you said earlier, uh, to kind of navigate through life. Uh, you talked about healthcare. Is that your major target to help people that are navigating toward uh, becoming a physician themselves? What gives you the inspiration well, to I write came a book? Into, to being an author late in life because in the middle of my life, while practicing oral surgery in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, the capital of Wisconsin, 
I practiced there from 66 to 90. And, uh, and I joined three other oral surgeons. And uh, I, I was the only, I became the only board certified oral surgeon in the city and the first one to begin to uh, correct jaw deformities. And I had been in practice for 13 years, late 1979. A middle-aged patient came into my office needing an upper tooth removed, and she had a history of having a broken jaw from an auto accident four months earlier. And I took a big x-ray of her jaw, and it showed she hadn't healed. She was just as fractured four months later, and she was going to see her ENT surgeon that afternoon. And she wanted me to put her to sleep to take out the upper tooth, and I said, I can't put the pressure on your lower jaw. I'll do it under local. I removed her tooth, gave her a copy of the good x-ray I took, and and when she left, I called the surgeon. And I I knew him, you know, casually. Surgeons know each other. Uh, He was at the Catholic Hospital, St. Mary's. And I said, Tom, uh, uh, you know, uh, Agnes is coming over and she's got a problem. She's not healed. And he asked me how would I treat her. And I told him and he said, we can't do that. Would you treat her? And I said, yeah, so she, he later in the afternoon sent her back to me, and I set up where I could treat her. But being on their medical staff, I'd gone over a, at the end of the day and saw where he and his brother, older brother, who were both ENT surgeons, had both treated her during the last four months, and they'd done everything wrong. Uh, no adequate post-op x-rays. She'd been in the hospital twice. Uh, her story is it, it unbelievable. And so I treated her. I did the surgery and was sure we were going to get a good result. So I, being on their medical staff, I went back and met with them. And the older brother, rather arrogantly, said, I said, look, Hey, you guys had four months. You had some. Pro- I got. I'm a member of the staff. I got to say something to somebody. And the older brother said, "Well, we didn't do anything wrong. You didn't say anything to anybody you want to." So, I went to the chief of the medical staff and told him I had great concerns about the patient's care, and now the patient was my responsibility, and I had a responsibility to their medical staff. To make a long story short, uh, they they said they would review it. The the committee that reviewed it whitewashed it. I said I wouldn't accept their finding. I met with the entire medical staff, executive committee, the chairman of all the departments, 
they weren't interested. I met the uh, nun who was it. I didn't meet her. She wouldn't meet with me. She sent me a letter. She said they were satisfied. Uh, later, uh, a year over a year later, the woman and her husband they lived forty miles north, uh, but and they had another Catholic hospital in their city, Baraboo. And uh, anyhow, the couple sued the surgeons, and their attorney, who was I knew, asked me if I would testify. And here's what people have to understand. There is a code of silence in the medical and dental professions. And the code of silence says you can never say anything negative about any other practitioner. And I was faced (laughs) with a huge dilemma. Do I ethically, I'm the second surgeon. I know everything about the case. Right. And do I testify in court or do I sell my soul and remain silent and tell them I can't do that, which happens in almost every other case in our country and your country regarding Mm. malpractice. That's right. That's a tough and call. I came to the decision I could not sell my soul, and so I testified. Well, now one thing people have to understand when I when I talk about this case, I have all the documents. Because I became the expert witness, they had to give me copies of everything, and I still have them today. I can prove everything I say. And sadly, that same surgeon, about a year, two years later, would poorly treat a 25-year-old truck driver and almost destroy his life, but I didn't get to get involved in that case. But I would become involved in a major case of malpractice at the smallest hospital, what's called a Methodist hospital at the time, and I'd testify there, and then I'd become involved. I wasn't looking for these things. I was just practicing oral surgery. But these patients would come in into my office, and they or their parents would say, will you treat them? So I, over a five-year period or so, became the second surgeon who was tasked with surgically correcting previous surgeons' horrendous mistakes. I'm talking about things so bad you wouldn't believe it. And And it involved all three private hospitals, and the medical staffs of all three hospitals circled the wagons. And later, when the doctors were sued and I testified, they would be found guilty of malpractice, but I was the bad guy. And so in the second half of the 80s, I, I was pushed out of my group practice. Wow. When I opened my office of my own, 
the the city by the mid '80s had all these HMOs, including the governmental HMO, and none of the HMOs. I was a board certified surgeon, and none of the HMOs would allow me to become a member except the government HMO had to. So when patients or their family would come to my office, I would say, your HMO won't cover me. And they economically ran me out of town. I had to leave Wisconsin in 90 after my youngest son graduated from high school. I stayed until he could graduate from a Catholic high school. And then came to South Carolina and uh, for... Twelve years, I was, I call it like Churchill had his his uh, years of isolation before World War II. I had my years in the shadows. My marriage ended because I'd, I'd in 1980, I was making over $300,000. And they, they economically ran me out of town, and I could no longer practice because I had begun serving as an expert witness around the country. I wanted to come to understand the system, and I did. Right. But, so I came to South Carolina, and then 12 years later when my marriage ended, I said, well, I've been thinking about writing a book. So in 2003, I started writing my first book. In 2004, I got the first copies, and it was uh, entitled First Do No Harm, The Cure for Medical Malpractice. So since 2004, I've offered a cure for medical malpractice, and neither the medical or dental profession wore a touch that with a 10-foot pole. It is interesting, Dr. Uh, Williams, that uh, one patient kind of opened up the door to who you became later on in life, who was Ari Williams, what you stand for, and how your integrity was the most important thing in your life, to know that the client or the patient was first, regardless of you even uh, being uh, isolated by, by the community. It's, and I know about this uh, uh, this code, uh, because I've I've dealt with uh, issues and I've heard about issues, uh, so it is very big of you and and uh, shows a lot of integrity. How much you care, uh, patients first is uh, is incredible. And now you are able to be the top uh, in the world. Now you retire and you can write about it. And so this I can I can speak freely, but but people need to understand I have all of the documents to support everything I say. And once I wrote what I really knew at the time, twenty almost 20 years ago, uh, about medical malpractice, so for some reason I kept thinking about the system and thinking, and so I started, I wrote a pamphlet uh, that I kept to myself but that led me in 2010 to write my second book, Misdiagnose Why Current Healthcare Changes Malpractice. 
This was about the time of Obamacare. And my first two books, I'm the only one that has copies of them because not <laughs> I didn't cause it, but the the man that helped me publish my first book passed away, and the Christian publisher in Oklahoma City, Tate Publishing, uh, closed their doors two or three years after my book was published in 2010. But that led me in 2012, and this is really important. Dr. Marty McCary is a surgeon at Johns Hopkins. And he's on Fox News, he, he's a policy expert, uh, great surgeon. In 2012, in November, mid, mid-November 2012, his first book was released entitled Unaccountable. That one word title speaks volumes because his book speaks about what goes on in hospital medical staffs, particularly where they train doctors, training hospitals, university hospitals. And when I read about his book in the Wall Street Journal at Saturday morning, I went to Barnes & Noble, bought his book, had it read by the end of Sunday evening, and when I closed it, I said, i got to write another book. And in 2013, uh, less than, you know, about eight months later, I published my third book, Find the Black Box, Prevent Needless Hospital Deaths. And uh, since then, I've put a second edition on that book with a 20, I think it's 2019 preface, but but nobody was paying any attention to his book or my book or anything. In 2016, he and a co-author wrote a paper that said medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the U.S. behind heart disease and cancer. And not an eye blinked in D.C. and not an eye blinked in any of the 50 state capitals. And I don't understand that. I, nobody seems interested that the healthcare delivery system, doctors, hospitals, and surgery centers, has always been broken. There are reasons why it's been broken, and no one's has been interesting. So I wrote Healthcare Warriors. Uh, I released the ebook in 18, the print in 19, and the audio in 20. And it's a small book, and it has a particular uh, target audience. Healthcare Warriors is targeted for activists in any state, anywhere, who want to create an organization like MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and invite me to come and show them how to rapidly become effective. Because if you want to get the attention of governors and legislators, 
uh, in D.C. and in, at state level. You need activists who, who want to demand that. And the, act, the potential activists need three things. They need to have a great desire. They need to be willing to make the effort. And the third thing they need is a source that can take them step by step by step to where they can begin to fully understand the problem, and that's me. Wow, uh, Dr. Williams, I'm, I'm very shocked and very impressed that uh, you've taken this, you've taken the ownership of helping others to start a new revolution. And you are saying, you know, if you need a leader, here I am to assist. Uh, absolutely. And we're not talking to activists as a creating a, 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 a mishap or, or a, a misrepresentation of what you believe in it's just you want to be able to have clarity and you want to be able to help the ones that can't help themselves you've been there you've studied you've you realize what the system is all about so you want to be able to help and, and obviously you offer yourself as a leader absolutely I think it's grandiose of you to be able to uh, to help uh, our fellow human beings because I'll, nobody knows everything right we always learn from others. I'm learning from you right now. And obviously, uh, somebody who has that experience can, can take it from you, right? Wisdom is, is to share with all, all of us. Um, I don't want to forget, uh, Dr. Willem, where can people get your book? I know you mentioned a couple of, time, a couple of uh, places, uh, but just to make it clear for our listeners, uh, where can we get health care warriors, why and how to become one? Well, I, I, I moved from the first uh, publishing place to a, a new place uh, in New Orleans called the Ewings, E-W-I-N-G-S, uh, Publishers in New Orleans. And they, they've just come out with the, uh, uh, by, you know, by redoing it. But one of the things I want people to understand is that the healthcare delivery system is big. It's complex. But there's nothing in it people can't come to understand if someone like myself will step by step by step help them gain an understanding. And the, here's what they need to understand. Healthcare Warriors is an easy little book to read. It's 14 font, uh, uh, a small book, fits in your purse, might fit in some suit pockets. Uh, you should read it with a highlighter and a red pen so you can go back and read the highlights and really, and turn it into a tool. Uh, Healthcare Warriors is like getting you through uh, high school, and then find the black box and Dr. McCary's book, Unaccountable, will take you into college, the, the higher level. And uh, Libraries probably has his book. Ewing's also has Find the Black Box. Uh, 
So those who want to can step up from healthcare warriors into find the black box. That'll take you really deep into the healthcare problems. And with my 20, uh, 20 preface, I name names. Okay, and we can get them in your website and also on, I assume, Amazon? Uh, they're, they're on Amazon. Um, those two books have been on Amazon, and they can get them from the Ewings, or they can get them from me. Gotcha. And your website is? Uh, DRIRAWilliams.com, and I've just, Hey, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to computers. I just <laughs> connected with a fellow here who actually lives close to me, and we're going to start doing things on Instagram and and in different places. I've got finally got someone who can come in and sit next to me, and we can start becoming far more active on social media. Beautiful. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I, I want to put this interview on my website. And, of course, I, we're, we're more than happy and honored uh, for people to be able to hear your whole story and see where you came from and where you're going and, and what you continue to do with your life, which is incredible. So check it out, everyone. Amazon, it is one of the places that you can find. Uh, the website as well will be here on Author's Den and also um, directly through the, through uh, Dr. Williams. And pretty soon on all, you will have a social media presence, Instagram, Facebook, and all of the other good stuff. I'm working on Amazon, Dr. Williams, and I'm seeing that uh, you have a six-star rating on your book. I mean, did you expect that? Do you feel surprised that? You have a star, a six star rather, uh, rating uh, on your book on Amazon. I I didn't know that. I've just added fifteen new reviews. They're on Goodreads, and and I I think what these reviews tell people, if they'll get a copy of Healthcare Warriors, and just start reading it, they'll find how. I try to simplify an understanding, and, and here's the important thing, Lizzie. My subject is your and your loved one's healthcare delivery system. It's not America's, it's not just America's and Canada's, it's not just South Carolina. It is your and your loved one's, because everybody's going to be a patient in the hospital sooner or later. And when they say, when Dr. McCary said medical errors are the sixth leading cause, are the third leading cause of death in the U.S., and no one in D.C. and no one in the 50 state capitals blinked an eye, I don't understand that, Lizzie. Well, to be honest as well with you, Dr. William, I don't understand it either. And I am a type of person that loves to do research as per my profession being a radio host, trying to find out things about 
people and, and backgrounds and books and things like that. And, and I do a lot of research when it comes down to, you know, giving the faith. I mean, it's a blind faith, whether you agree or not, but it is a blind faith when you give your life to a, a doctor. I, I like to give them as much as tools as I can, and then obviously we together make make a decision. However, um, there is there is tons and tons of mistakes. We, we live we live in a fallen creation. I mean that's that's really what the good book always says. So we have to really trust, you know, in a higher power. Um, I call it God uh, to help the, the doctors to do the right thing, to guide them to do the right thing. And uh, I'm a huge believer too on the other side of uh, homeopath and, me- and natural medicine. Um, so I mean, both had its place, but absolutely, I don't, I don't understand. Um, I'm especially for the United States that um, money is is the shrive of healthcare here in Canada. Not as much. There is that as well. Uh, we have uh, you know different healthcare, but it's still uh, so many people go through, and obviously the doctors are overwhelmed, the physicians are overwhelmed, the surgeons are overwhelmed, and so sometimes they just want to be able to uh, brush people off without having, I don't know the, some of the reasons, but uh, yes, I agree with you. The bottom line, I agree with you. Um, so you talked about, you know, uh, t- doing talks and, and helping and, and being a leader and guiding. Um, that's, I assume, one of the things that you love to continue to do with your life. Anything else in particular that you, you well, aspire to here's what I really need, I I believe, and that's if I, if I could ever get in front of a live audience of people who really wanted to hear things nobody else will tell them about their and their loved one's health care delivery system, I think that is what I need to break through. If I could ever get in front of a big live audience, I've tried to get on TED Med but they won't accept me, and um, I, uh, I, I'm not certain. They, they keep their programs about 20 minutes, and I think I would probably need a little more than that uh, to give people enough understanding yes. that they need to to spend a little more of their time trying to understand their their and their loved one's health care delivery system and why it has so many problems. Absolutely. You, you will, we've been here for about 40 minutes, give or take, and that, yes, you will need at least an hour uh, to uh, convey your information and to share everything that you know. Hopefully, uh, this podcast at Office Den is listening, uh, listened all over the world, and uh, we'll get you um, somebody that uh, it has at least uh, online or a Zoom conference that has been done all over, especially with the uh, with the p- uh, pandemic, and it's been one of the things that everybody turned to is uh, is. Uh, Online conferences. So hopefully somebody is doing in the world a, long, a health online conference. 
that uh, can can have you as a guest and and give a good message of what and why as for your book, um, why and how, <laughs> why and well, how. Well, Lizzie, I've got a surprise for you. Go ahead. You would never guess where I wa where I happened to be on Thursday, March fifth, two thousand twenty. Um, I er, early early in COVID. <laughs> I was okay. in the conference room of the suite of offices of the chief of the medical staff in the headquarters of Medicare Medicaid outside Baltimore. And I spent an hour talking to the chief of the staff and three of her deputies, chiefs, two of them on Zoom, one in San Francisco and one in Seattle. And I had wow. been and I'd been telling them, you know, that I knew how to begin to create a better system. And I think the deputy in Seattle interrupted me and said and said, what we need is another five-year plan. And I said, my God, I could cry. <laughs> so, I can't. so I spent an hour. I left them with copies of my four books, Dr. McCary's book, Unaccountable, and I think another book, and a stack of statements like his article on medical errors of the third leading cause of death, and I never heard from them. I've been telling people for, uh, in 2011, in her first year in office, I got the chance to meet with Nikki Haley. Wow. And I showed her two quotes from experts here in South Carolina who said the system's broken. And a top doctor had said, in print, in an in a interview, even if we had a cure for cancer, we couldn't get it to the people because the medical system's broken. He said that in 2010. She was elected in November. I met with her in August 2011. I showed her, I, I gave, I showed her those two quotes. I was, showed, I was leaving a copy of my 2000 book, Misdiagnosed. And I said, I can give you a detailed picture of this state's health care delivery system. She gave me 10 minutes and never asked for further details. I, I, I don't I, understand it. I, I have an idea of why we're not going to discuss this here on the open air. Uh, we'll leave that for behind-the-scenes conversation, but I have an idea of why. Um, Yes, it is. Uh, it's very challenging what you're taking upon right now, Dr. William. Very challenging, and I commend you again for doing so. And I think uh, you're doing a great job. And I, I hope that you don't give up, and I hope that you're continue going. I know you have. Oh, lots I wouldn't know how yet. to give up. Hey, Lucy, <laughs> I'm having fun. There you go. I'm, there you go. I'm, oh. I'm fully engaged in life. Uh, there you go. Hey, that is wonderful. Is, this is this is what I know, and I be, I feel it's my responsible my responsibility to attempt to share what I know with anyone who's interested. 
Anyone who wants to hear, hear. That's right. That's right. Dr. Willem, well, I'll tell you just... who's not interested. It's the other experts who have been been promising to make the system better for the past three decades, and and all they've been doing is demonstrating Einstein's definition of insanity. I have to agree with you on that, Dr. William. I have to agree. Dr. William, I, I know mean... what's always been missing in the efforts to improve the health care delivery system. Yes, yes. Yes, we can uh, have this conversation for a very, very long time here, on, uh, but unfortunately, uh, time is just starting to run out. I want to thank you so, so much for sharing so much of your life, so much of expertise, and, and most of all, for taking this, um, this challenge, challenge subject uh, with your bare hands and trying to become a leader for people that wants to hear. I commend you for that. The book, everyone, it is uh, Health Care Warriors, Why and How to Become One. It is on Amazon. Six-star rating right now. Um, it is uh, audio, which is great. A lot of us that are on the go sometimes don't have time to sit and read a book. We can listen to it while we're walking, jogging, um, or even driving, so that's incredible. And uh, it is by Dr. Aria Williams. Uh, it's been a delight having you here on Authors Dan Proskas. It's been an incredible treat for me, so much to learn. Uh, if you missed it, don't forget it is recorded here and all his information, it, it is on this recording. Any last word, uh, my friend? I, I just appreciate the opportunity and the fact that you allowed me to speak in detail, uh, Lizzie, I thank you very much. And that's what the whole uh, idea is, uh, not just to have a 5-20 minutes, but just to have a proper conversation and have the background as to uh, how and uh, why or why and how quote in the book again. This has been an incredible talk, and don't go away. I'll be right back. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we will be back with another author. Don't forget to subscribe, but uh, our uh, announcer will say that for us. Have an amazing day. God bless. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of the Author's Den podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our future episodes. That's all for now. We'll see you next time.